I'm Tom Lee, Editor-in-Chief of NEJM Catalyst, and today we are talking with A.L. Wickman, the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Innovation Officer at Sheba Medical Center in Israel, about his country's very effective strategies against COVID in general, and through vaccination in particular. One of our goals at NGM Catalyst is to help people learn from other organizations in other countries. And over the years, I've learned as much from Al as anyone in healthcare. He introduced the concept of PROMS to me and many other people a decade or more ago. And he's led the development of an extraordinary innovation center in Israel. And he wrote a very nice piece about healthcare in 2030 in NEJAM Catalyst recently. But today, we're going to focus on the topic that has dominated the last year, COVID. It hasn't gone perfectly smoothly anywhere, including Israel. But there have been demonstrations and criticisms on a range of topics related to the problems. Nevertheless, the question that we want to focus on today is what went right? Because a lot did go right in Israel. What can be learned from and adapted next time around there and in other countries? So with that long introduction, Al, first, can you tell us just a few sentences about where you work, the medical center, and what it felt like as COVID started heading your way last spring? Sure. Thank you, Tom, for having me. Um, and, um, you know, this is a very critical topic, obviously. We're still very deep in COVID and uh, even in Israel now, as we're looking at uh, better days that are coming around with the uh, high vaccination rates. Obviously, it's not uh, completely behind us as we're all uh, still worry about, uh, you know, possible strains in the, in the coming future. So, um, you know, talking about um, Sheba Medical Center, Sheba is the largest hospital in Israel uh, with uh, just about 2,000 beds. Um, very, very strong footprint here in Israel as well, both clinically, but also as a leading academic medical center um, in terms of clinical trials and innovation, really regarded as an innovation powerhouse um, on a global scale. And, and Sheba has also played a leadership role um, in regards to COVID, um, really from the very first days, um, back uh, going back to uh, late uh, January 2020. We all remember the Diamond Princess uh, cruise ship with the first uh, patients that uh, came from many different countries. We had a group uh, of Israelis on board. Uh, they were flown into the country and Sheba volunteered to, uh, to have them and, and really uh, care for them. Some of them later developed the disease and were, were cared uh, at Sheba. And later on, Sheba really led in terms of uh, being the first to, uh, to open uh, a, a very large facility for uh, ICU patients. Uh, uh, and, and so really a leadership position, I would say, on all levels from the very first days of the pandemic all the way uh, to the vaccinations, which we'll talk about uh, later. Well, right after the pandemic started getting intense here in the U.S., in the April-May time period, I remember that you and I had a video call just to catch up, and I asked you, how was it going? And you told me, to my surprise, that it was going pretty, pretty well. Now, rockier times did lay ahead, but how did Israel get off to a good start? Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, um, on the what we call the first uh, wave in Israel, which happened uh, during uh, March, April, and and uh, part of May, uh, we really had uh, a fairly uh, you know decent time. Regard you know, especially as you compare to other countries, and we all remember those times with a lot of question marks on the on the virus, on the, the disease itself, and where every, everything was heading. 
Um, I think we were very aggressive very early. Uh, we actually caught criticism at the time when we decided to close down the airport, uh, when we started um, stopping flights with, from a couple of countries like Italy and later on the US that had higher uh, prevalence of, of the disease. Um, so being aggressive early on, understanding the gravity of the situation and coming up with decisions that weren't easy on many, many levels, also on political level, um, you know, I think what was the right thing to do and really got us off to a very, very good start. That's one thing. Another is, you know, putting our emphasis and focus on protecting the elderly. Um, obviously, understanding that this is where the, uh, um, the mortality uh, would come from, uh, you know, the vast majority of, of the uh, uh, morbidity would be coming from the elderly population. We've put our emphasis to try to protect them, especially when it comes to nursing homes, and others uh, allowing uh, you know the nursing homes to completely to continue to operate without having to uh, uh, bring in new people who might be carrying the virus or uh, having uh, some of the elderly walk outside. Uh, so that was a focus that um, was part of the strategy right from the get-go. I think um, uh, it served us quite well. And then finally, the third point would be the high testing capacity that we got uh, very early in the game. Um, I think many countries later caught up, but just like with vaccination, with um, testing, we were able to uh, acquire a large amount of, uh, of testing kits, uh, you know, open testing centers across the country, and you know, all the way, um, uh, you know, already in in uh, in March um, and early April, get to very high levels of of uh, testing um, for the population, which of course we know today is critical. In that early phase, I know we all felt jealous of Israel's effectiveness in really taking care of the elderly, really getting testing done well. Um, but it must have been a surprise for you when things did get bumpy in the fall and then in the winter in Israel, like everyone, like everywhere else. What were the big factors that led to those surges and how did Israel respond? You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, come fall and winter, especially um, later in September after the uh, Jewish high holidays, uh, it became uh, more turbulent um, in that regard. Uh, a couple of things that, you know, reflecting back, I would say one is, um, you know, we I think we opened schools too early. Um, schools in Israel are much more crowded than schools in, in the US or Europe. Um, you know, we typically have classrooms with uh, 30 plus um, all the way up to 40. Uh, kids in a classroom. So, you know, opening up schools early on, um, in early September, I think was one of the things that really caused us to spike um, after having a very decent summer with very low uh, rates of, of uh, the virus. Um, you know, we have um, culture in Israel is, is, is always complicated. Uh, you're talking on one end on, you know, ultra-Orthodox Jews, uh, on the other end on, um, you know, people in Tel Aviv that are very modern, and you have an Arab population in Israel, and you know the cultures are very, very different. Um, and how do you work with the different cultures? How do you make sure everybody understands the importance of how we act and and how we react? And that, that has been also a challenge that I think uh, came through, uh, especially during that time. Um, and um, and we were able, I think, um, with the high rates at the time, we were able to still keep a very low case fatality rate, which. I don't think was really talked about that much. If you compare the US to Israel, case fatality in the US uh, was about 1.8% or 
overall from the start of the pandemic in Israel, it's 0.8, so less than half of the case fatality in the US. And I think one of the things that we did uh, do during this time, we were able to increase hospital capacity uh, very quickly to uh, three, four times the capacity that we have in normal times in terms of ICU beds. And that's remarkable because we're always uh, worried and concerned about low ICU uh, bed uh, um, rates in the country. And obviously this would be very much critical in times of a pandemic, but the ability to react very quickly and really uh, um, expand the hospital capacity, especially in, in intensive care units, uh, really came to our advantage uh, and was really, we were really able to keep the low uh, case fatality rates with the response um, of the hospitals. And of course, Sheba played a major role with that. Imagine we opened uh, a, uh, an ICU with 100 beds in one of our underground uh, parking lots. Uh, it took us about 48 hours to do that. And um, I think that's part of the, of the reasons why we kept a very low uh, case fatality rate. Well, you know, this is really a great story. This is like an, an adaptation of a high reliability culture uh, that, you know, many hospitals have developed in their efforts to improve safety, extending to a country. You know, you implement certain things, you make progress, but then new, new issues arise, new opportunities to improve arise, new imperatives arise, and you learn and you respond and adapt. Uh, quickly. Um, so it's really a great story in many ways, and that's what we want to feature um, uh, in NEJM Catalyst. Um, but then the next chapter is the vaccines arrive, and Israel was basically 10 times faster uh, than the U.S. and most other countries in getting its first 20 to 30 percent of citizens vaccinated. You know, I know you're much smaller, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn from what made Israel so effective. So why did it go so well in Israel? Well, it's a great question uh, that, uh, you know, we're um, obviously we're asking ourselves and we're being asked. And, um, you know, I could probably name four factors that play a role here. Maybe the most uh, critical one is the healthcare structure in Israel. You know, the fact that everyone is covered we have four HMOs that uh, cover, um, you know, as an, from an insurance point of view, but also provide primary care to 100% of residents in the country. Um, and those four HMOs are used to doing things exactly like this. You know, they're used to having these mass um, uh, campaigns, whether it's for vaccinations or for other uh, reasons. They're really built into the community, which is something that is very much uh, um, unique in Israel. Um, you know, you cannot go down five um, or, 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 or three blocks of streets without seeing, um, you know, uh, at least one clinic for one of those uh, HMOs. Uh, they're really built very deeply into, uh, with roots into the community, and that in, came in very, very helpful. So that's the first reason. The second is also related to that, and that, that is um, electronic healthcare data. Uh, Israel is one of the only countries in the world that has a very, very effective information exchange system that covers 100% of providers, 100% of residents of the, in the country. And that allowed us very easily to, first of all, set prioritization on who needs to get vaccinated first and implement it very quickly. So imagine, you know, people were getting a text message saying, uh, why don't you come tomorrow to this and that address at 10 a.m. 
and you'll get vaccinated. And if you can't make it at that time, uh, call this and that number and suggest a different time. And we're able to do that through the uh, prioritization that were set according to age, comorbidities, and so on, and then very, very quickly get the data on where we are at any point in time uh, exactly. And I think, again, that came in very hand handy to, to set this, this up. The third is supply chain and distribution, especially with the Pfizer vaccines, you know, the need to keep them on minus 60, minus 70 degrees. Um, you know, we were able, obviously Israel is a small country, uh, but we were very, very effective in terms of the supply chain, bringing it to only two points in the country that were housing and storing in minus 70 degrees. And then from there, distributing it to the four HMOs, plus a few of the very large hospitals like Sheba Medical Center, who were working uh, really around the clock uh, to vaccinate. And, you know, we've got to about 90% of population over 60 in a matter of three weeks, which is really incredible. And last and really uh, connected to all of that is setting this a sense of urgency, which is something I have not seen in other countries, especially during the initial days. It was evident to us here in the country of Israel that what's gonna get us out are the vaccines, period. There's nothing else. And so once we've set our minds to um, focusing on vaccinations, uh, getting the data and, and getting the high vaccination rates as soon as possible, everything was put behind that. Nothing else uh, got higher priorities. And again, that sense of urgency maybe comes from our, you know, the, the fact that we're used to times of emergency, we know how to mobilize behind the cause. Um, I think this came in handy in this situation as well. Now, I know that second guessing is not completely new in Israeli culture. Uh, so I'm expecting you'll have something to say when I ask, if you knew a year ago what you know now, what could Israel have done better? Well, well, it's a great question. You know, we're reflecting on that. We'll keep on reflecting on it for the months and years to come, you know, hoping we won't have to deal with this again, but knowing that, you know, we probably would at some point. You know, I think it's the little things that we need to do better. We've done a lot of good stuff. You know, we mentioned a couple of them, that obviously the vaccinations, but also the testing and, you know, the capacity around the hospitals and so on. But the little things like... Uh, Waiting with opening schools, I mentioned that before, back in September, especially in areas with high disease prevalence, we weren't good enough with differential restrictions. You know, some cities needed to go into lockdowns while, other, while others could continue daily life. We weren't able to handle that, you know, many political reasons for that. Um, we're, we're relaxing some restrictions early, too, too soon, like restrictions in travel. We could shut down the airport in March of 2020, but in the summer, Israelis were anxious to go out and and uh, and um, for tourism purposes, and we opened the airports, and and sure enough, some of the variants came in during the time. So it's a lot of those simple things that I think next time around we need to be much better at handling those decision making, and lastly, maybe a better enforcement of restrictions. It's it's not enough to put forward restrictions; you have to have a good system of enforcement. And, and again, you know, in Israel, we didn't do enough of that. That could have probably served us well, especially during the winter time. Well, and, you know, one of the issues that's gotten some press attention is while the rollout was of vaccination was very effective for Israeli citizens, it was much slower for uh, for Palestinians that they they were not included. Uh, I know there must be discussion of this is issue in Israel. 
Uh, can you give us a flavor of what those discussions are like and how how the issue is being addressed? Right, it is it is an issue, and of course, discussions are in place. Um, and and some decisions were made. For example, a decision that um, Palestinians that are working in Israel would get vaccinated, and uh, actually, Sheba Medical Center took the lead on that as well in terms of uh, positioning vaccination stations along the border and vaccinating tens of thousands of Palestinians uh, within a very short while. Um, so, so some actions are taken. We've also played a major role in, in treating some Palestinians who had uh, severe disease and needed higher levels of care, more, uh, um, um, you know, more experienced uh, teams. And some were brought into Israel and into Sheba as well to treat some of them as well. But obviously, much more needs to be done. And looking into the future, I think now that you know, we're at a situation where in Israel things are, are looking very well. Um, we definitely need to see where we can help more with our neighbors, um, and, you know, and uh, obviously um, we definitely need to be more active on that. Well, thanks so much, Al. I know that our listeners will learn much in the years ahead from Israel and other countries' work, and especially from you and your work. Thank you very much, Tom.